TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dukey Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. Welcome, everyone, on this Monday night, the 1st of June. This is Scoop Podcast episode 299. I'll be frank. I'm a 40-year-old white American. I've been privileged. I am privileged. There are things, there are uncertainties, there are situations that I'll never have to deal with that others have to deal with. I do think it's time we as a country have some frank conversations and push forward change. When it comes to social injustice, when it comes to racism, I think we need to have some frank conversations moving forward. I think we can all be better listeners. How can we help when it comes to actual change occurring? I talked to four sports figures with ties to the Twin Cities. They have chosen to use their platform to push forward change. My first conversation here on the podcast will be with Pistons head coach, former Wolves head coach, Dwayne Casey. Here is my conversation from earlier on Monday with the 63-year-old head coach of the Detroit Pistons. Coach, it's good to see you. I wish we were talking under different circumstances, but it was one week ago here in town, here in a town that you called home for a long time. It was one week ago, an unjustifiable killing, incomprehensible, right? It was a murder. How has the murder of George Floyd impacted you? Well, it's brought back a flood of of thoughts, Darren, in the fact that, uh, you know, growing up in the 60s and the 70s, uh, it, it just, and then even now you seeing it on video magnifies those feelings and thoughts of, you know, things haven't changed. Uh, they're, they're even magnified now, like I said, because you see it instantly, you see it on the video and you can't explain it. Uh, and, and just the all out non, you know, regard for human life. And so that's what I think we're seeing right now. Now you also throw the, on top of it, the pandemic we're going through, unemployment, people down on the luck. I think all those things have, have just, uh, uh, you know, caused a overwhelming uh, feeling of frustration. No one's listening. And that's why you're seeing some of the violence, un, un, uncalls for violence that you're seeing right now. But uh, it's from that place. And I hope, Darren, that we don't lose the fact of why this is happening. You know, yes, because of, of George, but, but also because of this, you know, the many, many other instances over the last, you know, I would say 10 years of things like this happening on video and people walking away or getting a lighter sentence. So uh, I think uh, that is the tip, you know, it, it was an overwhelming tip of the iceberg. When you say on video, I mean, how many instances over the years did something take place that, that wasn't on video? I mean, imagine in this case, Dwayne, if, if that 17-year-old girl doesn't grab her iPhone and start shooting the video. That was unbelievable, too, that she had the, the presence of doing that. And, and just think about that, Darren. A young girl, 17, who is maturing into a young lady, shouldn't have to see that. She, you know, at 17 years old. Uh, is something that she shouldn't have to see, but she had the the, the foresight to to record it. If she hadn't been there, uh, it could have been anything. Uh, just another uh, resisting arrest. So uh, again, and I want to say this too, Darren. There's a lot of good policemen in our society. There's a lot, uh, but yet and still, what we have to do, and we met the other day as a as a the co head coaches in in the NBA, uh, talking about. What can we do to promote change? What actions can we take to promote change? And I think we have to get to the root of it, of police training. Let's, let's start working a relationship with the police departments Work when policemen first come in to try to promote change in their training tactics. You know, conversation with trainees coming in. Uh, there's so many things that we, we have to do to get to that level uh, to promote change in our police department, in our justice system. Uh, and that's not going to happen overnight. And if you think about it, it, it's been years and years and years of talking about it. But hopefully 
that's some of the positive that will come out of, of George Floyd's uh, murder. I mean, you're right, Dwayne. I mean, it's years upon years. I mean, you said it in your statement, right? I mean, growing up 55 years ago in Kentucky, and really for the last 55 years, what, what truthfully has changed? Right, right. Well, again, there's some things that have changed, but not enough. You, you, it's increment changes, small changes. I think there's opportunities for some. I'm very humble and blessed and fortunate and, uh, you know, to have, have an opportunity and take advantage of it, but not enough. And so those are the things that we hope in, in a positive way, in a positive together way uh, to promote change. And again, Darren, I, I, I will say it's going to have to come from the majority. I know here in the Detroit community, we have a lot of Chaldeans, Hispanics, other nationalities and religions, but I think it's gonna to have to come from the heart of good people in the majority. And no matter what politics, not Republican and not Democrat, but good hearted people have to step forward uh, regardless of, of political you know, preference to step forward and help to make change. Tell us a little bit more about, about what you guys as, as coaches are doing. So you guys met collectively the yeah. other day. Tell yeah. us more about that. Well, we met, met on Zoom, and, and so we talked about what can we do to promote uh, change, uh, get involved with the police league, basketball league in the inner city. Uh, what I like to do, and I'm trying to set up a meeting with our, our police chief here in, in Detroit, who's African-American, but getting still uh, uh, join forces with the Pistons organization, with the police league, basketball league, and see what we can do to bring that together. Uh, hopefully through the training process of officers to develop that relationship. Uh, and again, the, the education of inner city uh, African-American kids, policemen, uh, whatever, to get, let them get to know each other, to get that bond together uh, better. Because I think if, if an officer has a relationship or has played basketball maybe, or seen a kid at, at a gym or whatever, he's less likely, there's less likely to be a, a violent situation. So. Again, whatever we can do to help educate, and there's other things you know that we have in the works or or have talked about. But again, I think it has to be action. I think the sense of urgency has to be there. Uh, we can't let this moment of time slip away. Uh, but again, on top of that, Darren, the problem is we have a pandemic going on. You know, we have to be careful and mindful of that. So. Um, there's a little roadblock block there as far as the six, the you know the pandemic is concerned, but uh, we still have to act, get some actions going toward uh, toward change. How grateful are you, Dwayne, that, that you have a platform that, that you have access to the Detroit Police Chief that that you can be a, per, a person in a position of power to push change forward. Well, that's that's what I want to do, and I, I know all the naysayers are coming. Well, you know, just coach your basketball team. No, that's 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 the negative humanity way of looking things you know what i i'm blessed to have a platform i want to use it my wife and i have been involved with focus hope of feeding um el the elderly here in detroit also uh young families with young kids before all this hit with the other virus the racism virus uh so Again, there's a lot on our plate, but as much as we can do, especially with no basketball going on right now, as much as I can do, I, my family can do, to step forward and help. Uh, and it may be a, just a small you know, piece of help, but it's help. And uh, if all of us can get and touch somebody's heart, one person's heart, hopefully going forward in the next generation, we can make a difference. On your family, I mean, you're a dad. What? What sort of conversations have you had with your kids about everything? Yeah, well, again, I try to keep it light with my young son. Uh, but when my daughter talk about, you know, what I kind of what I went through growing up, not being able to play in the integrated baseball little league, uh, you know, having to go to the restaurants and knock on the back door and and uh, order your food. And then they blink the lights and they bring, you know, you go back to the door and get your food. We couldn't go in the restaurant. So. Uh, we talk about that, but with my young son, I try to get him to understand his Chaldean friends, his white friends are human. They're, they're your friends. There's no color. There's no difference. And so I think if we teach our kids that approach, that way of life, the next generation, because I, I hate to say it, I think a lot of the, 
the racism and the uneducation comes at home. And that's what my wife and I try to do is to teach, um, you know, the good in people, no matter what race, no matter what religion they're in, uh, that we're all in the same, on the, on, in the same bubble. How much would we all benefit as a society, Dwayne, if, if we all adopted maybe the mentality that you have in, in that Pistons locker room or any locker room? Right? Like I think about you have players, you have coaches, you have staff members from all sorts of different backgrounds. You guys all come together. It's love. You're all fighting for one common goal. Darren, and that's the beautiful thing about sports. You know, that is a beautiful thing. And I think we have owners that are in that position, but they don't know what to do. They don't know how to, you know, I know Glenn Taylor there is a good man. He does a lot for a lot of people that you don't even see and know about. But again, you know, a lot of times they don't know what to do or how I feel as an African-American man. You know, and a lot of times what people want, what people want there in Minnesota is to listen. Listen, listen to those people that are hurting. Listen to the people who feel unheard. Uh, and again, I think once you actively listen like that, I think then you develop your feelings, the feelings that you have, and understand there's no difference between Dwayne Casey, Kevin Garnett, you know, no matter Wally Serbic, no matter who it is, we all are the same people. And, you know, sport beautifully brings that together in the locker room. We're all competing to beat Milwaukee. We're all competing to beat the Boston Celtics. It doesn't matter. So we have a common enemy. But when we walk out of the locker room is when the, when the problems start. So uh, those are the things hopefully, you know, we can, can continue to teach and talk about uh, on, a, on a real basis uh, going forward. And hopefully this light doesn't burn out that we're seeing right now, the caring, the, the love that we have for, for the people there in, in Minneapolis that it doesn't burn out. We keep the conversation going. We keep trying to make change uh, throughout this situation. What have the conversations been like, Dwayne, with, with your players? I mean, are you doing Zoom meetings and, and are you guys talking about this on a pretty regular basis? So, meeting, I think it's tomorrow night. We've got the whole team, the whole medical team, the trainers, everybody gonna come in, we're gonna sit down and talk and, and mostly let and listen, maybe let the players talk. You know, I'll share what, I, what I'm feeling which, you know, anxiety, you know, felt old feelings come back again and why they came back up, but then let the players talk. Because, again, a lot of those, a lot of guys haven't experienced the, the, the racism and some of the things that the, us as older people in sports have, have, have come across. So uh, we're going we're gonna to do that. And I think a lot of teams around the NBA and I think in other sports are doing the same thing. Because, again, we're, we're almost, we're family. You know, our team is family, so let's talk about how we're feeling. Did last Monday hit home even more, Dwayne, because I know how special the Twin Cities is to you? But no question. And again, just seeing that happen in Minneapolis, because I know the beautiful people everywhere in Minneapolis. I mean, there's a lot of good people in Minneapolis. And unfortunately, you have bad policemen there. Uh, and hopefully, and I pray uh, that they get it together and uh, with the police force to reform. I love what the, the captain did, the chief did last night by going to the place there on the street and, and praying. That was powerful. That right there meant more, that symbol of him taking off his hat, going there and praying was beautiful. And that's the first step because again, that lets people know somebody gets it. Somebody is listening and they're with them and not talking down to them. And uh, I, I, that was that was uh, worth that picture of him doing that is worth worth millions. What else has stood out to you as you've watched coverage the last handful of days? I mean, yeah, that was that was powerful, and that was the the police chief. It was on CNN talking right. directly to George's brother. But but what else has stood out to you as you've watched coverage the last handful of days? Well, you know, again, I, I've seen you know in some areas where people are going back in the community and cleaning up, helping clean up, because again, unfortunately, the violence. This is no place for violence. That doesn't get help anybody. Any, if anything, Darren, it turns the black businesses down in that area. You know, it hurts that the small business people who, who are already struggling. So yes, protest, please protest, let your voices be heard, but don't destroy a hard earned, hard working people's business. You know, the drugstore, I saw with sewage drugstore was, was hurt. 
uh, and, they, and all their people who are probably older people who need the medicine. So there's a, a ripple effect that when you tear down a store, yeah, you, you get some attention from it, but you're hurting people. So don't do that. Let's get to the root of the problem through, the, through positive change, through uh, political change and that type of thing, whatever we have to do, but not by destruction of property. I'll leave you with this. I mean, there will be a lot of white Americans watching this. Heck, for me, Dwayne, what, what can we do to help? What, what would be your lasting message to us? Well, Darren, again, you know, I can't feel how you feel ever. You can never feel how I feel ever. We're born in two different uh, situations. But one thing we both can do is listen to each other. Listen to how you feel listen to how I feel or how the people there in Minneapolis feel. That is so important. Active listening, taking in, you know, just don't hear the people, listen to them and take their message uh, as far as you can and understand it and internalize it and put your, yourself in their shoes, try to. Uh, and I think that's the most important thing we all can do. It's not about money. Dwayne, thank you for doing this. I know you're being pulled in, in a number of directions, so thank you. Thank you so much, Darren. Good luck to you and God bless you. Dwayne, I promise I will be a better listener. I apologize. That was a Zoom conversation I had in our sports office at Hubbard Broadcasting. There was a lot of activity about 10 feet away from me in our newsroom. It's just it's been so fluid in our newsroom. Lots of journalists on the news side, not the sports side or the weather department the news side doing commendable work the last few days and they're just they were having some meetings about how to proceed the rest of Monday evening depending on on what takes place so I apologize for for the assistant news director Bob Sable's voice being heard there in the background but Dwayne I promise I promise I will become a better listener I also talked on Monday with Wolves guard Josh Okogie he was at the Friday rally that featured Stephen Jackson Jamie Foxx and a number of other current and former NBA players. Gary Trent Jr. was there. Royce White was there. Carl Anthony Towns was there as well. Josh is only 21 years old. You would never know that Josh is only 21 years old. Here is my conversation with Wolves guard Josh Okogie from Monday Late Morning. Josh, it was one week ago. It was, it was a murder. It was an unjustifiable killing of, of George Floyd. How has the murder of George... How has it impacted you? Um, it really moved me. Because um, usually, you know, I see a lot of these things happen. And, you know, I get mad and I say everything's unfair. And, you know, and I just, you know, try to just forget about it and hope that, you know, obviously things will change. But this one was a little different. And I think that for me, it started with the Ahmaud Arbery case. Because um, I was in Georgia, you know, when that whole thing went down. And then, um, you know, when everybody was talking, I'm like, wow, this happened, you know, in the same state that I'm in. Like, that's crazy. It could have been anybody. And then Sunday, I go to Minneapolis, you know, to start my quarantine. You know, maybe, you know, try to get back at the Pat facility. And then Monday, you know, George Floyd, you know, gets murdered. And that really struck me because, you know, I brought my little brother with me to Minneapolis and, you know, I was kind of like, wow, like, I'm not too far from this. My little brother's not too far from this. You know, it's only a matter of time when something like this, you know, comes at my front doorstep. So I was, that's what really kind of raged me into thinking like, you know, I'm not removed and I should be speaking out because it's wrong. I can strike a change. What's it like, Josh, living with that fear when you lay out just now that it's in your mind a matter of time until this happens to you or to somebody in your immediate family, somebody you immediately know? I mean, what's it like living with that fear? Uh, it's not, it's not fun. It's, I, I can say that, um, say that to say the least. It's definitely not fun. Um, just trying to, you know, little things like, can I go for a run without encountering, you know, somebody else? Or can I just drive, you know, a pretty decent car without, you know, getting pulled over because I'm black and, it, it, it hurts. You see it in movies all the time and you see it in, on TV all the time. You see it, you know, the fact that we even portraying it, you know, in our field because it's what happens in our world is, I think that that's crazy. I was thinking about this the other day. Tell me if I'm, if I'm off base. How much better would the world be if we could operate like 
like your team does. Like I think about your team. You have people from different backgrounds. Heck, I mean, all sorts of different countries, but you guys come together for one goal. It's a lot of love in that locker room. Like, can that be an example of, of what the world should be like? Yeah, sports is sports is a great it's a great way of bringing a whole uh, different kinds of cultures together because the only language that we know in the locker room is made field goals, uh, you know, dribble, pass, shoot. That, that's the only language that we know, and everybody can speak that language. So it kind of it kind of brings us together. Um, like I've met a whole bunch of different kind of diversities through sports and, you know, sports have taken me to different type of countries and different cultures and stuff. So, you know, I think that if the world, like you said, if the world could operate like a locker room, I think that would be best. And I think sports does bring, you know, people together as well. Like you see, you know, even like the Olympics or you see the world cup, you know, all these different cultures clash and rooting against each other. I mean, yes, they're rooting against each other, but it's still all, you know, still love the end of the game so I think you know that's a good way to look at it why was it important for you to be at the rally these days are blending together I believe it was Friday I mean you mentioned you came back here the idea was was to be quarantined why was it important for you to be at the Steven Jackson rally on Friday because this you know this happens this happened in my backyard you know it happened what about 15 minutes 15 minutes away from me and I felt like it was wrong and you know I felt like there was no better way for me to you know, show my support and to show which side I stand on than to be at that, uh, to, to be at the, um, to, at the rally. So I felt like I had to be there, you know, show my, you know, support for not only the Floyd family, but for Steven Jackson and also to show my support for, you know, the country at a time like this. Did it just blow you away, the amount of people that were there on Friday and even, you know, just watching the coverage the last couple of days of everything? Yeah, it definitely did, but it shows you as a community that we're strong and we're, you know, we're, we're, we're strong together. Everybody's, I feel like, of, you know, every color, every race is, is on board. And I feel like that's great. And we have to do this together. It can't just be, you know, the blacks trying to fight for black lives. It has to be the whites fighting for the blacks, you know, the Hispanics, Latinos fighting for, everybody got to fight for each other. And, you know, me, I, I'm a person, I love everybody, you know, whether, no matter where you come from, no matter your environment, your community, I, I, I love you. And I it's just, just want to get that love reciprocated. How can we be a part of change, all of us? I mean, you just touched on it a little bit, but what are some ideas in your mind how we can change things? Uh, first, it's just accountability. We got to hold, you know, everybody accountable. You know, when something like this happened, you know, and, a, you know, a white counterpart does something like that to a, to a black man, not only should the black community say this is wrong, we need police enforcement to say this is wrong. We need um, the, uh, you know, the other white um, Americans to say this is wrong. We need the Hispanics to say this is wrong. Because for me, right is right and wrong is wrong, no matter, no matter your skin color. Like if, if it was reversed and a black, a black cop had his neck on a, on a white civilian, that would be wrong. You know, it, we're, I'm not saying, oh yeah, we need that. No, that's still wrong. So. But I'm saying also, you know, on the flip side of things, if it was a black cop and a white civilian, I feel like the black cop immediately would have been arrested. And if there was, and if the other three cops were black as well, they all would have lost their jobs and arrested too. As a black community, we just want that, you know, justification. We want that, you know, law enforcement reciprocated as well. You know, there's, I felt like if we, if this didn't, um, if George Floyd's death didn't raise such outrage, all those four cops will probably still have a job today. And I feel like that's that's the issue. It shouldn't take a rally. It shouldn't take protests to get those cops um, arrested. You know, it sh- they should be arrested because it's wrong. And um, I feel like when you ignore a situation like this, it becomes your standard. You know, when a white cop, you know, abuses a black cop or any type of cop abuses, abuses any type of civilian, civilian and you ignore it, it becomes your standard. And you're gonna see more and more of those cases. The moment you deal with it accordingly, then that's when you're going to set the precedent that this is unacceptable and that's when we'll see change. But the change doesn't happen until we hold each other accountable. Josh, I think about what if what if the young woman didn't pull out her iPhone and start videotaping what took place exactly. last Monday, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, imagine if that video just, doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah, if it was just a hearsay, I definitely do agree that those cops will still have their job as well. You know, and, and just that piece of video, like how hard is it to just not 
just think about that video. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it any number of times. How hard is it yeah. to just not constantly that, think about that video? When I first watched it, I only watched like 30 seconds of it. I couldn't, I could not watch it because of how gruesome that I felt and how inhumane it was. But before I went to the rally, I felt like it was something that I needed to watch. So I have, you know, the point of view of everybody in, 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 in that rally. So that's why I finally sat myself down to watch it before I went. And, and that kind of just made me rage even more. But I, it was so disturbing. It was inhumane. It, it, that shouldn't happen to anybody, no matter your, your race, even ethnicity. It, 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 does, it, just, it just doesn't matter. It shouldn't happen. It's unacceptable. And the fact that the officer wasn't charged till later that week, it's, that's, that's crazy. And the other three officers, right? I mean, we're still awaiting word on, on the other three officers, right? I yeah. mean, like, what is, my, what is taking so long? And my take is if I'm in a car with three other people and I'm selling drugs, it doesn't matter who knows or who doesn't know. Everybody in that car is going to be arrested because, you know, you're an accessory. You know, if I if, if uh, somebody kills somebody else and I'm in that room, I'm going to be arrested because I'm going to be a sensory to murder. Whether that sticks or not is going to, you know, obviously re um, rely on the evidence, but I'm going to be arrested because I'm an accessory. So why doesn't the other cops, you know, get arrested? Because they're an accessory to murder. Because I remember if I watched the video, they had that one cop. He has, he's standing protecting a cop that's killing the black man. And that right there was so disgusting. Like we have cops that think what that cop is doing is okay. And that's unacceptable. You said that, that George's murder hit you even more, but you were in Georgia. You said it, Josh, with, with what took place with Arbery going back, you know, multiple weeks. Why, why has George Floyd's murder impacted you more so than any other senseless murder we've seen going back any number of years? Uh, I feel like one because Ahmaud Arbery, I was I was still you know really really mad at that, but it was just a you know a you know white two white racist people killing a a black man, you know and it was just a crime and you know they were they were you know convicted although it took the video for them to get convicted you know they were they were charged but to see a police officer who is whose job is to protect and serve, you know. And to see that he wasn't going to get his justice until, like you said, the video was out, like, that really hurt. And um, it didn't hurt more than the other ones did, because I feel like they all hurt. But it, nonetheless, it really hurt. And in my mind, it's like, as a black man, if I'm in trouble, who do I call? Like, do I call the police? Like, what if I, like, what if I am in a dispute with a, with a, with a white, you know, American and I call the police. How do I know the police? It's not going to think that I did it. You know that, and th these are just the little things that if black people, as black a black person, you have to deal with, and that should be unacceptable. It shouldn't be that way. I mean, is that what what white Americans should know about what black Americans deal with on a daily basis? Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll never know for sure, right, Josh? Uh, we're never going to be in your shoes, right? But, but you've, seen, you've seen the instance in, in in New York when that that lady uh, she called the cops on that black man and she even said it all i have to do is tell them that you're a black man and you're and you're you know i forgot what she said specifically but she said something's in the lines of you're a black man and you're intimidating me and she knows like if i say this i can leverage his skin color and use it against him like as an american white american to know that like that even hurts you know that hurts more and if like you said if that video wasn't if that if that video wasn't filmed, we don't know how that would have played out. So that's just to show you a perspective of what we have to deal with as a black black community. Josh, how grateful are you that that you have a platform to, to represent many to get your voice out there? I think I think you know I thank God that you know He's put me in a position to to speak out, position to you know be be a voice, and I, I don't take my voice for granted, and I'm gonna do whatever I can in my power to, you know, strike a change. And how about your organization? I mean, the fact that your they've organization empowers you. They've been great. They've been great. They've, they stood by me, you know, they've, you know, offer any help that they can, you know, they open a floor for communication to say out any of our grievances. So that's been great. And even a guest speaker was brought on last week, right? I talked to Ryan the other day. He said a guest speaker 
joined you guys for for a Zoom chat last week. Yeah, I was in that chat, and they yeah they had a guest speaker come in there and talk to us about how do we you know move on. And he he even said himself that he was tired. He was tired of giving this speech every time something like this happened. But I mean, we have to have these conversations in order to grow. What's your plan in the coming days, the coming weeks, to continue to make sure that 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 your voice is heard and and that these topics are addressed? I'm trying to, I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to try to come up with some plans on my own and try to see the most effective ways to help and um, pitch that with my teammates and see who's on board and you know, just try to make a change collectively because I feel like personally we're strong together. I have to imagine everybody will be on board, right? I mean, even to have the support of Carl Anthony Towns with everything he's dealing with, for him to be by your side on Friday says a lot. 100%, man. He's, he's great for that. Um, I got to tell everybody, a guy who's still, you know, mourning his his mom's death to show up at something like this where he didn't need to. I feel like, man, that just shows you, you know, what he's capable of and the volumes of his heart. One more for you, Josh, and then I'll let you go. I know you have another obligation. What else is important for us to know? As we move forward, what do you want people to know? That this isn't white versus black. I think that's the biggest misconception. I don't hate any white person. I don't hate any any race, you know, I, I, I love all. And I feel like this is more of racist versus everybody. As you look at look out at these rallies, it's not all black people. You have everybody speaking out. And I feel like that's great. In order to make change, I think we have to do this together. So I feel like if it's only black people protesting, we're, we're just talking to ourselves. I think that, you know, the more, um, the more diversities we have protesting, the more people they're speaking out, the better. So as long as we can keep this conversation going, Josh, thank you for doing this. Thank you. I alluded to my conversation with Josh's head coach, Ryan Saunders, in my chat with Josh. How about I bring you that conversation now? Here's my conversation from Friday with Wolves head coach, Ryan Saunders. How has Floyd's death impacted you mm-hmm. and impacted your team? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd say that, you know Others are impacted more than me. And, you know, I want to make sure to state that. And, and I recognize that and acknowledge that. And, you know, I was appalled watching that video um, as, you know, most everybody would and should be. Um, you know, I hurt because it, it could have been somebody that, you know, I directly know uh, because I, I have a, a lot of, contact with individuals who may not get the benefit of the doubt um, like George Floyd did not get in that in that moment and um, you know it just humanely pains you and uh, you know I just think it's it it was important Um, I'm not very active you know on on social media uh, but you know that was an avenue that I felt um, I could at least uh, show some sort of, of stance of of compassion and understanding um, and, and wanting to understand and listen uh, to individuals who have had to go through similar type situations because it just isn't fair and you know enough is enough. Have you read the comments to, to your Instagram post? Uh, no, no, I, I, have, I have not looked. Um, you know, I just, I, I just, I didn't do it for any type of comments, good or bad. Uh, you know, I, I did it because um, it's, it's the right thing. And uh, Minnesota, I love Minnesota. And um, I don't want to see something like that, you know, happen anywhere. Uh, but in our backyard, it hits closer to home. And, you know, it strikes something that would, um, you know, it, it, it strikes something deep, deep inside of you. I mean, I ask, I guess, just because, you know, I think a lot of people are grateful that, that somebody with, with the platform that you have, Ryan, mm-hmm did speak up. That's, that's why yeah. I asked that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I, I acknowledge that, you know, I'm a white male in, in a leadership position. Um, and, you know, I, I said this, you know, to a couple people, but, um, you know, I, I've, I've never, I've never had to deal with the daily, you know, the daily, I guess, struggle of, you know, somebody brought it to my attention that, you know, they wear their phone on their arm as opposed to their waistband um, to make sure, you know, that people know when, when they're running um, that they're reaching for their phone here. 
as opposed to reaching on their waistband. Um, I've heard a number of stories and I, I've, I've wanted to educate myself um, so I can be a better leader uh, and, and, you know, just be a better, a more uh, empathetic and, and compassionate uh, person to those who, who need, need this more and th those who deserve, um, who deserve better than this. You guys as a team have, have had a, a Zoom chat where you guys have talked about what took place? We have, and uh, you know, we've had, you know, Gerson, uh, you know, his leadership is strong. We have a lot of strong leaders in, in, in this organization. Um, we've got a lot of people uh, speak up in the right way. Um, you know, we've got a lot of players speak up. Um, True Pettigrew, who, uh, you know, he has a background and, and he's, he's familiar with um, dealing with, uh, you know, situations similar to this, but also um, trying to start conversations, um, you know, that can be tough conversations. Uh, he was on our call and, and he helped um, our group uh, facilitate that. Um, but, you know, our, our players, you know, everybody's hurting as, as we all should. That's all I needed from you. Stay safe, Ryan, and hopefully we can talk soon and just talk basketball. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice, Doogie. It's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just say, you know, I, I believe that, that tweets and letters, um, you know, just aren't enough. And I acknowledge that, you know, we need to start with legis legislation. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, my hope is that, you know, our, our group, the Timberwolves and Lynx organization um, can hopefully um, in the future uh, be a part of, um, you know, something that, that can honor George Floyd's life. And, and so this isn't, uh, isn't done, done in, in vain. It's, it's, it's tough to wrap your head around. Well spoken, Ryan. Thank you. Okay. You got to be good. Okay. Sounds All good. Right. Thanks, Ryan. The emotion just pours out of Ryan. You can tell how much he wants to be part of change moving forward. I also late last week caught up with Lynx head coach and general manager Cheryl Reeve. Cheryl, let's just start with how, how has George Floyd's death, how has it impacted you? How has it impacted your team? We had a chance to uh, have our, our weekly gathering um, yesterday where um, we, we had a discussion around uh, the current events involving George Floyd. And, and I have a few that were with me in 2016. And uh, we talked uh, a lot about that. And we have many that were in the league at that time that are uh, now on our team. And, and, you know, I think the overwhelming thing was um, how much pain um, that they're feeling and how um, we, we have to do more. Uh, we, we sort of committed to this idea um, when we brought this to light last time, wanting to be leaders in our community and using our voices, using our platform, platform to, to shine the light on that time with the Philando Castile uh, murder. And um, what we learned is that four years later, nothing had changed. And um, we were going to go about it differently this time. Uh, the idea of uh, tireless efforts uh, is going to take on a new meaning for us. Uh, this is something uh, that I've committed to them uh, as as uh, their leader uh, is that we're not going to let this just uh, um, you know just just go away. Which is what uh, I think those in those in, that hold the power uh, certainly hope uh, happens. They hope it just sort of goes away, um, and we're not going to let it go away this time. It, it is it is unacceptable. It's outrageous. Um, and, and the pain and how deep the pain is. This has been going on, as we know, for uh, hundreds of years, the oppression. And um, I want to be a community that, that uh, understands what it takes to, to enact change. Um, this, this idea of uh, policing um, without compassion is, is unacceptable. Um, the, the Minneapolis Police Department, uh, their, their motto is to, to protect with courage. Well, Derek Chauvin was a coward. Uh, it also, then the motto is to serve with compassion. And clearly Derek was without compassion for eight minutes, knelt on a man's neck while he pleaded to be able to breathe. That's, um, that's just very difficult for all of us. Derek is now in custody. I don't know if you saw the news. It broke in the last half hour or so. I guess we're all wondering what the heck took so long, right? I mean, maybe last night 
could have been avoided if they made this decision 24 hours prior. Yeah, I think that's probably the hardest part. It's, it, you know, that's um, in terms of, again, our efforts uh, with our team are going to be involved um, uh, with regard to policy. Uh, this was something that uh, very, very clearly was in violation of why they were fired, was in violation of the Minneapolis Police Department policies and procedures, uh, direct violation. But even more than that, you know, the very, very simply was murder. And uh, um, just very, very poor judgment. Uh, I, we stood with Mayor Fry uh, in that um, they need, he needed to be in custody. And frankly, all four officers needed to be in custody uh, and charged. And as we know, and we talked with our team about, um, it's not just enough just to charge someone. Um, convictions in these cases are, are, you know, in the range of 30 to 35%. Um, in this case, we cannot allow where the police department or the city believes that they can simply uh, pay this to go away, settle with the estate or settle with the family of George Floyd. It's going to cost them millions and millions and millions of dollars, but that's not going to help us progress as a community. Um, it, it is, it is basically just covering up the problem. Could you imagine if the young woman didn't have the video? Like, well, I mean, just think about that, right? That, that's the greatest weapon uh, for, uh, the African-American community. It's the greatest weapon now. Everything is, is in the light. Uh, this has been going on. This is, this is, not, this is not something that, that's, no, that's, that's new. Uh, this has been going on. And so now we have, uh, everything is immediate. And that's the difficulty of not um, having uh, this officer or those officers in custody, because it was very, very clear. Uh, there is nothing that's going to take days to unwind uh, only if you're looking to change the narrative. And that's what that's, unfortunately, that's what happens. That's the systemic part of this. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, in, in the policy and, you know, the, the, the policies and procedures, um, they talk about the sanctity of life and the protection of the public being the cornerstones. And this was very, very clear. Uh, sanctity of life was... Uh, not top of mind for this officer. There's not an ounce of fear in that gentleman's eyes. He felt safe. And that's a systemic racism component to this that, that we've got to tackle. What can we do? I mean, I can't even imagine what it's like, Cheryl. We can't imagine what it's like to, to live in the shoes of an African-American. But what can we do collectively to, to be part of the solution? Well, you know, of course, I've, I've searched uh, for that as an answer. I, I think first and foremost, listen um, and, and be more aware of, of our thoughts. Cause we're right away. We go, well, I'm not racist or I'm not, you know, I'm not one of them. I'm an ally. Uh, but yet our words, uh, uh tell a different story when, uh, when white people say that they're, they have a level of empathy or compassion, but yet they will say all lives matter. Uh, that's not listening. That's not understanding. All lives can't matter until black lives matter. And so I've had to share that with my own family members, my own white friends. And our words matter, just like in everything else, our words matter. And so I think that's where it starts, is back up, look, uh, evaluate yourself, evaluate how you think, and how, uh, evaluate your words. And then also get involved, get involved. This is like everything else. Uh, there are people that are in these positions of power that are elected. The next time you go to the booth, don't just skip by the prosecutor, the attorney, the state attorney. Don't just skip by those and just, you know, blindly just make a selection or make no selection. So we have a responsibility to get involved, to enact change um, and, and, and demand better. We should have a zero tolerance policy when it comes to policing with compassion. Zero tolerance with the idea that this officer, Derek Chauvin, had years, he had demonstrated years of police brutality. There were multiple reprimands on his record. That's public knowledge. That is unacceptable. We need to do better in the selection process of who's serving our communities. There's got to be a better way. And I want to dive into those things uh, in, in ways that our, our group uh, can use our, our energy and our voices and put it in this way to develop a better policy, to be more involved. Uh, they can't make these policies in a bubble. It can't just be words on a page. And when someone demonstrates the behavior like a Derek Chauvin, it should be an immediate, immediate termination with loss of pension and everything else. And that's, that's the only way to, to, to clearly uh, make progress. 
What about the other three officers? I mean, I just, I wonder about the culture. Like, were they just in a position where they felt like, you know, they couldn't even say something. He had seniority among the four, right? Where, you know, it's this, this mentality of, you know, you're either with me or against me, right? And we're all, we're all on the same team, right? But, but I just wonder if, if, if the culture is completely broken when, when, when that exists. Well, I think that might have been, uh, I won't say equally uh, as, as outrageous, uh, but certainly up there that, you know, the one that we saw, um, Officer Tao, that um, had his back and knew, knew what was happening and was listening to the bystanders uh, and would turn and look. And, um, you know, is it, is it that or is it this culture of um, that's what they're permitted to do? You know, in this case, um, you know, th this was not a, you know, a person that was armed, that was threatening and, you know, uh, being forced with a decision of this, quote, split second decision um, that, that the officers hide behind. This was, this was, you know, this was a case of, of uh, you know, inability to uh, deescalate, which should be a priority. Many times when white people commit crimes, we go in with the idea of that person coming out alive. And we focus on bringing in the SWAT team and blah, 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 to de-escalate the situation. But unfortunately, there's a disparity in the way that we police the African-American community. Um, and, and so what was on display there was, was sickening, sickening on all levels. Um, and, and you know I feel bad for those that were you know, there and, and witnessed it, and you feel so helpless and powerless. Uh, it was clear who holds the power. And, and that video told us the story. You brought up 2016 in, in your first answer. I remember that press conference. It, it was what, September of 2016. It was, it was Lindsay, it was Maya, it was, it was Rebecca, it was Simone. Just how, how sad is it, Cheryl, that, that truthfully, over the last four years, not, not much, if anything, has changed? Yeah, that's, that's the difficult part. I, you know, it, it, it brought up the feelings um, that we felt that day. When we were in Connecticut, we woke up, uh, to the news that Philando Castile had been murdered. Uh, just before that, I believe it was just days before that, uh, in Baton Rouge, Alton Sterling was, was murdered outside of a convenience store that Simone Augustus frequented. Uh, she was very familiar with the area. So uh, I knew that our players were uh, going through a lot uh, emotionally and the pain uh, of seeing this. And, and so when we gathered, it was what we talked about. We said, you know, let's, you know, we have a, a unique opportunity uh, to use our voices. And and again, when we got to uh, these last couple of days and, and, and talking with our team yesterday, uh, the realization that, that things had not changed. Uh, we didn't think that necessarily uh, racism would simply go away because we brought light to it and we wore um, you know, uh, pregame shirts to honor the victims, to um, highlight the fact that we believe that change starts with us as, as part of the community. Um, we didn't think that racism would be eradicated, uh, but we thought that there would be potentially, you know, be the idea there'd be more pressure on, on um, the community of, of uh, policing that perhaps somehow that could, that could bring about change. And I think what you learned is that it goes so much more, as we know, so much more than a tweet uh, or retweeting uh, or liking something or posting something on Instagram or even CEOs of Fortune 500 companies in our area writing very compelling letters to their employees, that's not enough. It's not enough. And I think that's what's uh, given me, and I think therefore our players is what I sense, uh, even more resolve uh, that we're, we're not going away this time. This is, this, is, this is here to stay. And so we can enact real change in our communities. And we're gonna be trying to partner with our leaders, uh, those that have been appointed uh, or elected uh, and we're going to bring a group together and, you know, a, a task force, so to speak, uh, that we're going to be very, very involved in. And, um, you know, this is not something that's just going to be for the next day or two or the next week or two or the next month or two. We know this is going to be uh, just a, a, a long, uh, tireless process, but we are very committed to it. I'll let you go after this. I'll let you get back to your little man after this. Just is, is, there, is there any temptation to, to have another you know, virtual, I guess it would be what, Zoom meeting with the team, whether it's today, tomorrow, just, or if they have lingering questions, do they just reach out to you directly? I mean, is there any thought in, in bringing in a guest speaker or two? I mean, I guess just how do you, how do you proceed with your team over the next, you know, few days? 
Well, yeah, um, you know, following the call, you know, so some things come up and then following the call, some players had some thoughts and certainly uh, reached out, you know, with those follow-up um, thoughts and questions. And, you know, even, um, you know, the idea that when we had our weekly calls, it was basketball related. Uh, now there's going to be more ongoing discussions about uh, how uh, we're, we're, we're going to impact change here in our community. Uh, so more frequent communication probably uh, around this. And, you know, uh, with regard to the players, um, you know, Lexi Brown uh, has, a, has a godparent uh, that owns a business over on Chicago um, that was, was uh, decimated. Um, and so we're, we have players feeling, I have three players whose family members serve uh, as police officers or have served. And um, the, the depth of pain um, and, and can, um, in, in many ways the, you know, feeling conflicted, um, not about, you know, sides for sure. Um, you know, the damage, the damage is, 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 is overwhelming uh, for me as their leader. And, and uh, this is going to take, you know, much like we did in 2016, very thoughtful um, uh, collaborative efforts. And we have to listen. We have to listen. I know what doesn't work. This, is hap this happened in 2016. This happens after each one of these. We form these sort of committees and people that want to get together and do good work. We bring in um, police officers and we bring in um, the, these uh, professional athletes or entertainers and we, and we gather and we talk about the problems. But there never seems to be action steps, meaningful action steps to follow to prevent the next uh, uh, George Floyd. And, and so how, that's what our conversation is going to be around. Uh, I know I'm committed to is this, this cannot have the same outcome, which is the, you know, uh, in a different part of our country, perhaps uh, the same thing is going to happen uh, maybe a week from now. And, and uh, the, the safety, the, the, um, the environment, the culture that officers feel, the, not, you know, the, the ones that uh, aren't leading with compassion or that have racism in their heart, uh, a learned behavior, have racism in their heart, um, you know, that it's, it's, um, it's, it's those that uh, we have to weed out and we have to make sure in the selection process we do a better job identifying those with that on their heart uh, because the system, the system of racism uh, has empowered uh, these people uh, to serve the way uh, that Derek Chauvin did. And, and we are committed to, to changing that. Cheryl, thank you for doing this. Thank you for, for using your platform. Thanks, Doogie, and uh, I appreciate your understanding. July of 2016, not September of 2016, that, that Lynx press conference I was alluding to with Cheryl. When you get older, dates, years, they start to blend together. We'll eventually get back to the toy department on this podcast, but I thought it was important to have these meaningful conversations here on episode 299. We'll continue to have these meaningful conversations moving forward. How can we be part of enacting change? This country is broken in so many ways right now with racism at the forefront of many issues. How can we enact change? So I wanted to use this platform to present some ideas. And I think maybe the one takeaway, at least I have from, from those four conversations is I can be a better listener. Hopefully you can be a better listener as well. Scoop podcast episode 299 is in the books. Stay safe. Stay sane.